Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am Ben Weissel, and joining me, as always, Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? Quarantine. Uh, I, was, I was the first victim that I know of of the uh, needed new running shoes and couldn't try them on, so I ordered them online and realized that they didn't fit victim. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was so disappointing. I got them, like, customized. I, uh, I like, did all this, like, school things, you know, like, and I... I waited, I waited, I was so excited. It was like the first like pair like, I really invested in. And then uh took it out for a run today. And uh the Nike Infinity React shoe, awesome looking shoe, very comfortable, but also like your heel just slips out. There's no mm. very very disappointing, Ben. So now we have to like return them. And yes, I can return them to other customized regardless. So um, but just you know, one of those things where it's like, oh, I was so excited, and then uh no, I, I fell victim to to the not being patient enough to try on shoes. How's running been going for you? I haven't talked to you about this. Good, good. So for those who don't know, um, I'm consistently broken with injuries and I'm slowly coming back. I'm doing something called dry needling now where it's not oh, just- Oh, I some... love dry needling. Oh, so we're on the same page, right? Yes. Okay, yep. perfect. It has changed my life. Um, seriously, and I'm not even like exaggerating. I've had this calf injury for, I think, going on eight years now. It's like, I, they think it's compartment syndrome. No one wants to give me a straight answer for liability reasons. I don't know. But basically, um, they put like needles a few inches into my calves. Maybe a few inches is excessive, but- they, no, that's about right. It's yeah. about right, right? I mean, it's a few inches, right? A few inches in your calves, turn on some electrodes at a pretty relatively high volt, you know, intensity, and uh, it just goes to town on on your uh, your muscle tissue there. And I'll tell you, man, it you leave you sore afterwards, but I'm I'm really glad that you know about it because everyone looks at me like I'm absolutely insane when I describe <laughs> the process. Yeah, no, that's that's how I got back um, from my calf injury last year and then this past season when i was rehabbing my hamstring throughout cross cross country season i did that too and yeah i i am a big believer in dry needling it it i it definitely saved my at least a season or two for me otherwise i i would have been hurt for even longer so yeah i i, I think that'll help you a lot and yeah. uh, that's a great idea yeah, I'm so encouraged that you've heard of it. It's made a it's made a world of a uh, world of difference. I've had almost no pain since starting it. It's really really impressive stuff. That said, I'm going on two to three mile runs right now. I'm not doing anything like ten or eleven like I used to. So you know, baby steps, but we're getting there. I am uh, finishing up my uh, week off, so I'll be starting nice. back tomorrow, which I- I'm looking forward to. You know what I'm also looking forward to, Garrett? Tell me. I'm looking forward to getting a few more ratings on Apple Podcasts. Oh, a beautiful transition. We are, oh, we are getting closer to 60. We got a few more. I think we got three in in this past week. We got uh, two reviews, though. One with uh, breaking transfer news. We had uh, Justin Weber from Air Force to Villanova. Exclamation mark. Very, very big uh, transfer news. And then another uh, rating and review with Love It, Great Podcast, which simple and dear to our heart all we need you know that's that's all we need at this point so yeah we'll talk about justin um a little bit later on in the pod we were able to confirm that uh yesterday i think it was it yesterday we're recording this monday time it's blends this, time no it's the same quarantine time blends is the same thing um so we were able to confirm that the other day or at least report on it i think we had put it in the transfer database 
earlier, but yeah, see, that's a great way. If you ever want to, you know, get a transfer mentioned to, excuse me, get a transfer mentioned to us, you can always leave it in the comment section helps us. We can always put it out there. So, but we've also had a few other transfers that we'll talk about today. And of course, plenty of news since we last spoke, Ben, there's a lot going on. So I, I think, uh, Clayton Murphy hasn't been trending for for a while probably since <laughs> 2016 in a, in a in a real way um until this past week when akron uh announced that they were cutting their men's cross-country team uh murphy came out against uh that and against a fellow uh running media outlet and um it, it was very interesting news. Obviously, it's something that we've been worried about with uh, the coronavirus and the effect that it's having on uh, NCAA schools across the country. The The economic effects are obviously going to be massive, and it's something that we're probably not going to fully untangle for, for years to come. And Akron's uh, cross-country team was unfortunately one of the first casualties uh Really, really feel terrible for all those guys on the team. Um, but I think a, what a lot of people are more worried about is what does this mean for other schools? Is Akron going to be the first and then a slew of other schools are going to follow? Or is this going to be a kind of a one-off where maybe one or two follow, but it's going to be pretty minimal? Yeah, yeah. Well, and this is, this is the thing I think a lot of people expected. We expected certain programs to cut back. Um, Furman just announced today that they are cutting, I believe it was at baseball and lacrosse, I believe it was. Um, so I think, you know, luckily that, you know, no running programs were impacted. Of course, we feel bad about those other sports, but for running podcasts, we're concerned about the running teams. But, you know, these are star- These are some of the cuts that you're going to see, and uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what happens moving forward. Um, but, but truthfully, I think Akron was a team where – the MAC, the Mid-American Conference, is a conference that just generally doesn't do well financially as we talk about athletics. I mean, Akron is a team that has, I mean, you want to talk about struggles and I'll, I'll speak about their football team later, but you know, <laughs> you, you, you want to talk about you know struggles. This has been a, a, a department that has struggled considerably in terms of finances. Um, they, they haven't really, they haven't been financially strong for quite some time. And, you know, even Clayton Murphy, I was briefly watching his Twitch stream for a moment and, you know, he references, you know, the Akron men's XC team getting cut, talks about, oh, you know, like, you know, this might've been kind of under the guise of coronavirus and saying that they need to cut back because truthfully there was, a, there were already been some financial struggles there with uh, Akron's athletic department. They had been talking about potentially cutting back at certain points. Um, and it doesn't help that they're football team is 0 and 12. Ben, Ben, do you want to guess how many other 0 and 12 football teams there were in the FBS? Uh, one. Correct. There was one and one was Akron and that's it. They were the <laughs> only team in the FBS to go 0 and 12. Now let me, let me stop everyone there. I understand that football is a big deal. Like I understand that it could eventually generate revenue that it's, you know, in order to stay in the, in the Mac, in order to stay in division one, I think in order to stay in the Mac, you needed to have football, men's and women's basketball, and think like volleyball as well. Right. So I'm, I'm not, you know, say like, Oh, cut the football team. I'm not that kind of guy. I love football. I get it. At the same time, just based on principle alone, 
the football team was 0-12. Ben, they were ranked by ESPN this past fall as the worst college football team in the FBS. They lost to two teams that were also ranked inside the top 10 of the ESPN's worst teams in the FBS. They lost to Northern Illinois University 49 to nothing. They lost to Ohio University 52 to 3. And at the beginning of the year, the athletic uh, director says, Oh, uh, we're expecting ticket sales to go up because of our new coach. That's how we're going to make up for some of this deficit here uh, that we're expecting. 0 and 12. Pretty sure they had one of the worst attendance rates in the NCAA. So you would have, you'd have to be mentally insane to want to go to continue to go to those games, right? It's like, just, it's just. I mean, I can't, I can't even watch it when the Steelers are losing at halftime. You know, like it's just, it's just, yeah, in, infuriating. And I can't even imagine what it'd be to be an Akron student going to those football games. So look, that's that's my rant. I get it, and you know, ultimately, I think this cuts back to like, just, I, I I'm sorry, I'm just so enraged right now. I'm just so enraged, Ben. Just, just. Take it from here, man, because I, so, I just went 12, guys. They were 0 and 12. I, I, I very much enjoyed your Charles Barkley esque uh, rant right there. <laughs> but uh, I, and I, I agree with a lot of it. I think what a lot of people were frustrated about is cross country is one of those sports where it really does not cost a whole lot of money to compete. And when we're talking about other sports, if we're talking about baseball or soccer or whatever, there, there's equipment associated with those sports in a way that really isn't with cross country. You get your uniform, you got your spikes and your shoes. Like that's that's all you need to be able to go out there and compete. And and it's a sport where you can, if you want to uh, race regionally, you can race regionally, like within your state or within your like uh, city uh, for Akron. I'm sure they had a lot of opportunities to race within Ohio. And the travel isn't is therefore probably very minimal, those expenses. And you're probably your only big travel expenses are for conference and for regionals, two meets. Um, and you compare that with all these other sports who are probably traveling a lot more, uh, having a lot more equipment costs. And, and you can understand why there's a lot of frustration with them cutting the cross country team. Because, and we, we've talked about this off air a little bit, there's been a lot of numbers thrown around that we can't really confirm, but it's just hard to imagine a world where cross-country, the, the, like having cross-country as a sport is what is holding your budget back from being successful. Okay. Like, it's, there, there's no world where that is the case. There, there's certainly a case where, like you said, the football team or uh, baseball or basketball or whatever, even if they're high like uh, visibility sports and they attract attention, those are the ones that make or break your program. Um, and it's unfortunate that in a lot of ways, if Akron's football team was better, the men's cross country team very well might still exist. Yeah. Well, and the other thought process that I have behind this is what if this was a Title IX issue, right? Because if you think about this, the women's teams have to have X amount more scholarships than the men's team, you know, especially because football takes up so many of that, that 
that scholarship allocation, right? So and I'm maybe not phrasing or properly talking about this correctly, but basically if you take out, uh, was it men's golf and women's tennis? I think it was, or the other two, other two sports. Yeah. It's men golf, uh, men's golf and women's tennis. You take those other sports out. It may disrupt the ratio of scholarships. And I don't know this for sure. I'm just speculating, but it may disrupt that ratio of scholarships that they had. And therefore, if you take out the men's cross country team, um, and I don't know how that those scholarships play into the track and field side. Again, I'm, I'm just going off of speculation, but maybe that's why they took out men's XC because if the budget was so minimal to handle the expenses associated with the men's cross country team, the only thing I could possibly rationalize was that they said, well, one team has to go in order to make this title nine situation with the allocation of scholarships work. Probably going to be men's cross country. We'll put it under the guise that it's a cost saving method. When in reality, it's more just, you got the short end of the stick because it's a title nine issue. That's my that's a, a potential thought that came through my head. Again, that's not confirmed. I don't know any numbers. I don't have any numbers. Just a thought process to put out there, though, because I, I think there is. I think there is a potential behind that. Yeah, it, and that's a good point. Bringing up the Title Nine, and and I don't know what Akron's like uh, split is in terms of gender for his student population, and that that plays a role in it uh, in the Title Nine uh, factors too. But I, I mean, you can just drop. I, I think you can just drop scholarships uh, across the board for men's sports um, rather than just cutting a team that probably didn't have a whole lot of scholarship money associated with it to begin with. Um, so I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I, I still think there could have been a better, um, more just solution that would have involved keeping an extra team, whether it was the cross country team or, or even like the golf team um, without having to close two men's sports for the, the one women's sports that they cut. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Um, like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm always a very, you know, understanding and kind of optimistic guy when it comes to some of these instances of, you know, why certain athletic departments made certain decisions. Like I get why they're not getting rid of the, the football team. Like I, I, do, I get all of those reasons. Yeah. It's just I, I, I almost struggle to understand that an entire athletic department and university and an entire institution is going to look at that specifically and say, uh, you know, oh, well, we could do option A, but we're just not going to. We're going to do option B. Like I, I like to give people the benefit of the doubt that they're going to make that, that at that kind of status and at that kind of level at, at a decision of this importance that they're going to make the right decision, right? I think there has to be, like in my mind, there has to be some underlying rule or a Title IX issue or a or financial issue that we're not understanding. So maybe, who knows? Regardless, the only thing I know is that Akron had an 0-12 football team. And that is a just absolute embarrassment. Um, and also, I, I golf, between golf, women's tennis, and men's cross country – can someone tell me how that's going to save four point four million dollars? I mean, I I get it. they they said like oh it's going to be cutting scholarships and expenses in travel and scholarships and and, and coaches' salaries and like that that totals four billion dollars between three sports, three really think, non-expensive sports. They must have been talking like yeah because there's no way that happens in a year in like ten years maybe like over like the course of like. A decade they're going to save that much money because I, I agree with you. I, I it it seems highly unlikely that 
those sports were spending four and a half million dollars uh, to exist. That 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 seems way way too high. Yeah, I just I don't I don't know. I don't have the numbers. We don't have the numbers. We're not going to act like we do. We're not going to be like, well, if they just did this and they just did that. But I think there is reasonable. There's there's reason. There's a good reason to at least question the current situation. And I think that's at the very least what we can do. You know, I've heard from some of the Akron, you know, post that like, oh, it was politically driven. I don't know how it could be politically driven. I don't know. I'm not there. But um, I, I do. But I do think there's a good reason to question why the move was made. I because I, because I don't think just a lot of things don't line up. So. Yeah, uh, feel for all of those uh, runners and and hope that those guys find a new home to be able to to, be able to run next year. But another controversial decision that was made regarding next year was uh, California State Universities deciding to close their campuses for the fall, um, going to virtual learning for the fall semester. And the California Collegiate Athletic Association canceling fall athletics. Now, this is a conference that does not include football. So it was a little bit of an easier decision, I'm sure, for them to make. Um, But this is kind of the first domino that's falling when we're talking about whether or not fall sports are going to be coming back. And I know you're optimistic, Garrett, but this is the first sign that maybe we should be starting to get a little worried. Maybe not panicked, but a little worried. Uh, a little bit, but really this this situation is so unique and so specific to the CCCA and to California State University that I, I just don't know if this really applies to anywhere else in the country. California California State University has 23 campuses, right? The moment that they decide that they are not going to have classes in in person, that puts the uh, CCAA into a very difficult position. A a heavy, heavy portion of that conference is made up of California State University schools, including I I think like Chico State is one, I think East Bay, um, like East Bay is one. Uh, Cal State San Marcos is one. Stanislas, Stanislas. I'm not going to try to. I, I tried my best. Sorry. Um, there are a, a number of schools are are in that conference. The moment that CSU decides to pull back and go remote for the fall, then the CCAA has really no. They don't really have any other choice. That is their entire conference. They're kind of put into that position. So, if if let's say like. Gosh, I don't know. If if Virginia Tech, if they decide, well, we're not, we're just going to hold classes in the fall. Yeah, that's going to have a, a shaking movement. But if everyone else in the ACC says no, we're going to return to campuses, then the ACC is going to say, well, sorry, Virginia Tech, but and I'm not saying that that's what happened or at all. I'm just putting an example out there. But the, the ACC is going to probably continue competing. Because they don't really have a reason to if all the other schools are going to come back. And I think that's what's important to keep in mind here. And as you mentioned, they don't have football. If you don't have football, I mean, it's it's a, it's a much, much easier decision to make. So um, a, a very specific situation that I think really, really only applies to a handful of schools. I, I agree. I, and I hear what you're saying. I, I think 
My worry comes more from, I think California was one of the first states to shut things down. And I think there was a little bit of criticism when they did um, in mid-March to that to decide to shelter in place and all those other things. And it eventually, I mean, came out that they were right. Like that was the right decision. And that's what a lot of other cities and a lot of other states probably should have done. And I'm just worried that we're going to see that happen again, uh, where we're kind of like, hmm, I, I don't know. State universities already going to virtual, like already deciding to not come back to campus. Seems seems a little like, uh, like they're over exaggerating. Seems like they're they're going over the edge a little bit, and then we're gonna hit like July, and we're gonna be like, yeah, no one was ever gonna come back. Like I I and I don't I don't mean to sound fatalist. Like I I obviously my season hangs in the balance. My last cross country season, I am more than as much as anybody wants once the season to come back. But I I just I'm getting this weird feeling of deja vu that I I hope I'm wrong. I really, really hope I'm wrong. Um, but I, I'm starting to get a little nervous just because I feel like we've seen this movie before um, with California. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it. I just I just think it's so important to remember that football is the lifeline for yes. so many for so many schools. If you don't have football, then it's it's a moot it's such a it's such a moot point. You know, and so I, I totally get it. I know everyone's concerned. They're seeing programs get cut. They're seeing the CCAA, you know, suspend fall athletics. I get it. And we should technically clarify, I guess technically the sports athletics programs aren't necessarily done for California State University campuses, but it's, they're effectively, let's just put it this way, they're effectively done, right? If the CCAA is done and your campuses are going all online, there's no way, despite whatever logistical details that people have suggested, there's no way that they're going to have a cross-country season. Sorry. That's just kind of the reality of it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little more optimistic just because this situation is so not specific to everywhere else. It's not specific to you. It's not specific to, you know, every other main team out there. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't know. But I, I do – I understand – everyone's concern. I'm not saying that the concern is invalid. I totally get it. I think it's it's well placed. Um I just don't know if this specific instance is a good one to point at. Yeah, and I, I hope you're right. And I think I think that's a that's a good point uh to keep in mind as we as we move forward and there's still so much time before we hit August. Uh we're still three or four months away from really where the rubber is going to meet the road um, for a lot of this. So with that said, I think we should move on to some more offseason news. Like like we said last week, the transfer mill never stops turning. We got some significant transfers again that were announced this week. None bigger than Michaela Meyer of Delaware headed to Virginia to uh, start grad graduate school. She will have outdoor eligibility and cross country. But what we're really paying attention to is how is she going to do uh, at the, uh, and during the outdoor season with that 203 that she ran this past indoor season in the 800. And what kind of effect is she going to have on the ACC and on the national scene as a whole? 
because we were really curious to see what she could do uh, on the national scene after her breakout race to run 203. It'll be fascinating to see what she can do under uh, Virginia and uh, Vin Lilana, and uh, hopefully we will get to see that talent this outdoor season. Yeah, yeah, she's going to be a veteran uh, coming into a program that's bringing in a great group of young middle distance talents, uh, incoming freshmen. Uh, I think that's going to be a really nice piece to have there as they kind of transition into the collegiate scene. Um, I, I like it all. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's going to be interesting to kind of see whether or not Meyer can replicate that grand successful race she had where she dropped more or less four seconds from her 800 meter PR. Um, you know, and I think we were kind of looking at, you know, say like, was that just a fluke? Was that, you know, like what, what's kind of the whole, the whole dynamic there. Um, so I think this would be a good opportunity. I'm glad she's returning and I'm glad she's going to be able to try to, you know, prove herself that, Hey, like I, I really am at this level and can be at this level on a consistent basis. Um, so yeah, I, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm really curious to see how she, how she competes too bad. She doesn't have indoor eligibility left, but uh, at the very least, she's going to be in an ACC conference that is, you know, always producing very solid middle distance talents. Yeah. And uh, I guess we should mention that 203 was at Boston, which has turned out some very, very quick times. Um, so again, it'll be, it, I, I'm looking forward to her proving um, that that 203 was strong and valid and, and indicative of who she is as an athlete. Um, and I'm sure she will at Virginia, but uh, another guy who was on the move, um, for grad, a grad, as a grad transfer was Nate Beamer headed to, uh, Western Washington from the university of Washington. Uh, he's a guy with all three seasons of eligibility left, um, which is huge and something that we haven't seen a lot of with a lot of these grad transfers owns a 402 PR in the mile and is someone, as you noted, and uh, the article that you wrote about him could be a big time contender on the D2 scale in the mile and in the 1500. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what a great talent. 402 miles, 346, 1500 meter PR while uh, with Washington. And he he had, the if you count his 402 mile PR, he had the fastest time in division two for the mile this past winter, regardless of conversions, regardless of, you know, all out flat times, regardless, he had the fastest time. So automatically, immediately put into the national title conversation. But what I really like about him and what I, why I think he can really be a true national title contender is because he's so consistent. You know, his ability to consistently run 404, 405, and you look at his T-first page, he is consistently in that range. And a lot of D2 talents, they hit that once or twice. You know, a lot of those guys in that national qualifying picture, they kind of hit it once or twice, and that's kind of where they tap out. Beamer has, has hit that on a consistent basis, and, and that's where his value is really going to lie. So, um, yeah, Western Washington may have just found a national – excuse me, may have just found a national champion um, for, you know, next winter or next spring. I mean, he is he, – he can really provide some serious uh, firepower for the Vikings. Yeah, I liked your point on consistency. I, I think you mentioned that his worst time on Tifers was 409, which is like staggering for um, considering all the kind of tactical races that you could be put in um, and still always run under 410 um, is a mark of a runner who 
is very comfortable running in that range and, and just has a lot of grit and uh, I, I guess desire to make sure that he um, is always competitive in every single race. Yeah. And on, in on T-first, he has a DNF, but I'm not really, okay. I'm not, I'm no, not, gonna, that. I'm not, gonna, <laughs> that. I'm not, gonna, I don't, he, I'm my argument. He was pacing and actually he very well could have been pacing. I'm trying to see what race this was. Hold on a second here. Yeah, he, he, it was, it was a, I yeah, mean, so he was, he DNF'd with two other Washington guys and the race went out, the race had two men go under four minutes. So I'm under the impression Washington? it was at Washington. Okay. Yeah. I think so I'm, I'm under the impression that he was pacing. Yeah. I think that's a good bet. I mean, certainly Washington has enough, uh, sub four milers that he could, he could certainly help out. So I, I think that's a good point. Um, but moving on, we had Justin Weber, who we mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, headed to from Air Force to Villanova, um, and he has outdoor eligibility. He is applying for cross-country eligibility as well, and is joining a Villanova team who, who could, frankly, really, really use um, him in cross-country this coming fall. He's a 14-19 and a 30-28 10K guy. A big, big pickup for Villanova and probably one that's a little underrated. Um, a lot of people probably do not know the name Justin Weber, but if he does have cross-country eligibility, he's somebody that with Air Force was a very productive cross-country runner and would certainly be one for the Wildcats this fall. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's just a really key pickup because he really started to make progression this past winter. He had two PRs mainly highlighted by his 1419 5K PR. He has national meet experience in cross country and he's he's really he's applying for extra cross country eligibility. We don't know if he's going to get it. Um, but if he does, um, that that's going to be pretty huge, um, especially for a team that's now going to also add Liam Murphy, the, the star high schooler out of New Jersey, I believe. So You've got a 14-19 guy coming in who has national meet cross-country experience. You have Murphy coming in, uh, Liam Murphy, the star freshman. And yes, they lose uh, Nathan Rodriguez. They lose Casey Comer. They lose Andrew Marston. But generally speaking, this is a really young and a really deep team last year. Josh Phillips, uh, rising junior, looked like he had a, a few great races. Haftu Strintzos was uh, really talented at times, showed a lot of promise as well. You have, you know, Jack Ferdian. Uh, I don't know how to say his name. Sorry, Jack. Uh, you've got Martin Barr. You've got uh, Nick Steele. You know, some of these guys weren't always at their best, like Charlie O'Donovan, you know, is, is a guy who I think is going to be much better moving forward. He ran a 358 in the, uh, in the mile this past winter. You know, I, I, I think there's just a lot of really talented names on that team that I think are still pretty young and still going to get better in the future, um, as we move forward. So uh, overall, I kind of like where Villanova's at right now. I don't know if I would maybe put them as a, as a ranked team yet, but you kind of like, kinda, you know, you kind of have to like how they're rebounding. Uh, they've got a, they've got a handful of other guys who I didn't even mention. Um, so we'll, we'll see how they go. But Justin Weber, 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 who knows? Um, I, I like that addition. And, uh, you know, at least just gives them a little extra support uh, in the middle of that lineup. And at the very least gives them another name or another uh, leader in that team that's that lost a lot of veteran talent and can hopefully uh, help Villanova at least come close to making the national meet and giving those younger guys even more experience on the biggest stage as they try to progress through their career. Absolutely. Yeah. And really, you know, as, as great as Comer was, 
uh, you know, he wasn't he wasn't one hundred percent last fall, and I think that's yeah. a pretty fair assumption to say. Yeah. Um, and Marston and Rodriguez were both good, and they provided great scoring, but they weren't at such a like unobtainable level that maybe like Patrick Tiernan was at, you know, a few years right. back. You know, they, they were all well within uh, you know a point where Villanova can develop guys into that same talent level. You know, um, so I, I, I'm not I'm I would say I'm pretty high on Villanova, knowing that the guys they've they've got coming in. Um, I, I think it's all uh, pretty encouraging so far. Last, uh, or maybe not last up, um, we have Hannah Reinhardt of Al- Albany headed to Oregon as a graduate transfer. She was 99th at NCAAs this past fall, owns PRs of 921 and 424 in the 1500. She has outdoor eligibility and is applying for extra indoor eligibility. Um I don't know, Garrett. What did you think about the move for Reinhardt? Um, for Reinhardt, it's great, and I, I think it's it's awesome. She's got that sixteen oh six five KPR. She's going to join an Oregon team that is losing so many veteran talents. Now, you know, the Oregon women will likely have some women come back in uh, in the spring, um, but you know, their top distance talents, you know, Carmela Cardamabayas and Veronica Pizek and Amanda Garrich and Isabel Brower. According to Tifers, and this is according to Tifers, and Tifers isn't always 100% accurate, but this past indoor season, they, uh, they're all seniors. So I, you know, they're all gone. And if Reinhardt gets this extra indoor eligibility, then at least she just helps the Oregon women, you know, at least have someone out there staying competitive in those longer distances. Hopefully she can improve after leaving Albany. Um, she's already, you know, a really great talent. My, the other part of this is, I was excited to see her go there, and then I saw she doesn't have cross country eligibility. Yeah, and that was really the biggest thing. I'm like, yeah, they they really needed someone with cross country eligibility, and I think you noted this, or maybe someone else noted this in our group chat article. Um, but they they really don't have a lot of low stick scoring options. I'm pretty sure Jore Susan Jore is gone from last fall, so yeah. the the options are very limited. And Oregon has done well recruiting but I would really like to see someone be brought in with cross-country eligibility. And that's nothing against Reinhardt. It's it's just, you know, the cross-country is really kind of how someone can have a scoring impact, at least. I, I shouldn't say that. That's not true. But it would have been nice. That's all I'm saying. It would have been nice to see a cross-country pickup as well. Yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, 99th at NCAAs, um, that's really the, the mark that stood out to me. Um, and when I was looking her up, uh, on T first, I, I, like you was very disappointed to see no cross country eligibility. Um, because like you said, that's not necessarily where, uh, you can only score, but it's where you can often be more valuable. Um, even if you're not the top one or two or three runner, even if you're a fourth or fifth scorer, that, that sometimes can be the difference for, uh, a team at Oregon's kind of level um and I think they they'll really miss not having someone like her uh this fall right like you know if you're at a Pac-12 meet if you're Oregon um that you know if, if someone finishes sixth or fifth or fourth in the 5,000 meters that's going to help you a little bit but in the grand scheme of things that that point scoring is only going to do so much when there's a million other different events where you're getting points from you know, when it's cross country, you've got five scores. Those five scores are going to put points on the board, whether you like it or not. And 
you know, having someone brought in with extra cross country eligibility just it would have been nice. That's it. That's nothing against Reinhardt. I don't have anything against Reinhardt. She's a great talent. She will do really well at Oregon. Um, I feel very confident saying that. I, I think you could ap- absolutely even consider her uh, being on the, you know, national quali- qualifying conversation. Uh, maybe even next spring. I think she's that good. I think if you really kind of get her in the right position, I, I think she's going to do some some serious stuff there. So we'll see. Also, probably the winner of uh, longest transfer. Uh, I, I don't yeah. think anybody's gone coast to coast, Albany to Oregon. Um, I, I think that probably wins the uh, longest distance uh, transfer of the year. Uh, Garrett, is there anything else you want to touch on before we wrap things up? Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, well, actually, speaking of longest distance transfer of the year, a very close second, Miles Smith, UNBC to Stanford. Yes. So Maryland, Maryland to California. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's longer. Probably not. I don't think it's longer. I think New York is. Eh, I don't know. It's probably well, pretty close. It's probably pretty pretty close. I think it's a close second. Um, one fifty guy, UMBC graduate transfer, joining a Stanford team that lost Matthew Rizzo, that lost Isaac Cortez. Really doesn't have a whole lot of depth in those middle distance uh, in that middle no. distance group. They've got Brandon McGordy, but uh, a nice pickup there. Could potentially, I, I, I think he only has outdoor eligibility, so I, I guess really the DMR piece is kind of uh, inconsequential there. But um, yeah, I mean, just just an interesting move there. You know, not really a, a massive move, but one that kind of says, you know, hey, let's replenish a little bit. I think kind of more of an Isaac Cortez kind of caliber uh, talent coming into that program. Yeah, I, I think it's a solid pickup um, for a Stanford team that's been. Uh, losing a lot of guys and not necessarily picking up guys uh, during this offseason, I, I think it's a good sign for them to uh, bolster in their middle distance crew a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. But Ben, other than that, that's all I've really got. I think we we hit on a lot today. So uh, I, th- I think we, we can we can cut it here and, and call it quits. Yeah, I mean, there was certainly uh, a lot of stuff uh, in the news on the track and field and cross-country scene uh, between uh, the Akron decision and uh, the the schools starting to shut down. Um, I think we will continue to see uh, more transfers in the coming weeks. I'm sure we'll get uh, more and more details about uh, athletic programs and uh, schools and their decisions for the, uh, this coming fall. Um, so I, I feel like we could have a very similar podcast, uh, next week, um, with new developments and all these different things. Yep. Absolutely. I, the fact that we even had this much in, in one single week is, is pretty good, but yeah, we'll have plenty more to talk about. Uh, you know, we're halfway we're over halfway through May numbers are great. And, uh, Hey, cross country, you know, I, I never, <laughs> I know everyone's kind of a little pessimistic right now, but in June, a little teaser, we'll start slowly diving in to some of that cross-country content. Uh, we'll, we'll slowly dive in there. We'll, we'll see what happens. Just a teaser. Can't promise anything, but who knows? We uh, there, there may be some stuff for June in the works. Yeah, I, I, Garrett, I think we might need to start uh, releasing our off-air uh, discussions about cross-country <laughs> season um, because I, I think we, we've we already had some very interesting conversations about uh, what next fall is going to look like um, and, and starting to look at rankings and stuff. So, uh, yeah, very excited uh, for next fall and, and really crossing my fingers that it will happen um, because I'm already, already thinking about the national title races and all that. Um, But for now, I'm very excited to see 
who the next big name um, will be headed to a new school. Um, and I'm sure we will have a brand new uh, development or big story to talk about in a week. Yep. And I know for, for a fact, there is one big name left. I know there's at least one. I, I'm positive right. on that. Can't, can't tell who yet, but it's, it's on the way. It's coming. I don't know when, but it's coming. And tune in to next week when Garrett reveals that name. <laughs> it's me. Ha <laughs> ha. No, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> but um, yeah, make sure you tune in next week. Leave us a five-star Apple podcast rating and review. Um, and if you have any transfer news, drop it right there. Like we did, uh, we got the Justin Weber news this week. Um, but Garrett, until next time, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you.